Welcome to Conversations for the Animals. I'm Lisa Tynan with Houston Pet Set, and I am joined today by Corey Stottlemyer, who is the Deputy Shelter Director of Bark. And that's a new title if for, I'm, me, yes. for you. Yes. yes. Okay. So um, today I'm, I'm actually, usually I come in with a little bit of an agenda, okay. um, you know, things we want to learn or questions. But really today I want to have just like a generic conversation because Perfect. you know and I know Bark has a name and a reputation mm -hmm. in in the city of Houston, and so I just want to I just want to chat and find out what is going on there, what y'all are working on. Um, I know a lot of our you know it's elephant in the room. A lot of our partners and supporters have feelings, mm -hmm. and we yes. are not going to invalidate those feelings. Um, we just you know this is this is an opportunity for us to learn. Um, from from my end and from our our partners and you know how the city functions and yeah. what services Bark does and doesn't provide and what uh, what you're working on to improve because every organization is always working to improve so that's my hope where we go with it we'll see um, but to start first. I want to learn about you because I know right. you are you're right. a communications guy. Yes, that's my background. That's yes. your background. So shelter director, deputy director is kind of a new direction for you a little yeah. bit. I still have a director of communications title okay. on top of this other title. You know, a lot of, <laughs> just lot just of city, title, title, title. Yeah, okay. a lot of city uh, departments kind of operate that way. Okay. But ours is unique because Bark is part of a bigger department, administration and regulatory affairs that includes 311, Park Houston, the Mayor's Office of Resilience and Sustainability, uh, our regulatory permits. So okay. a lot of different types of sections payroll falls under us. Interesting. Yes. Okay. So uh, when I joined, I've been with the city since 2018, but I joined here two years ago now as the public information officer. Okay. Um, the previous uh, communications director left, so I kind of slid into that role. But at the shelter, we also had some change up. So there's an opportunity with some team members moving to other sections in ARA uh, to kind of fill this role as well. Okay. So most of my duties are at 90% essentially is at Bark. I'm there every day. Uh, I only handle kind of media relations and any communications related to Bark. We have another public information officer. He handles all the others, but we, we coordinate okay. all the time with each other. So yeah, uh, came from communications background, still kind of wear that hat at the shelter. Yeah. I'm here today talking yeah. about it. Uh, that's kind of been my role from the start, though, is mm -hmm. to focus on transparency, addressing a lot of the questions that come to our team, whether it's online, whether it's being emailed to us, addressed in the media, that sort of thing. Right. Um, just to make sure we're having a consistent voice, but also making sure we are addressing all questions because, yeah, we get we get quite a few. Yeah. And and I think. That it was news. I knew that Bark was part of a larger department. Yes. I mean, like we all know that cities are gigantic. Con they're very convoluted mm -hmm. bureaucracies. Yes. Um, but it, it's interesting how random some of those things are <laughs> lumped into the same thing. And I think what what question that leads me to is is budgetary. I mean, mm -hmm. Bark has its own independent budget. I know we just the city of Houston just passed the uh, prop. Was it C? Uh, the, yeah. Oh, part of the bond. Yeah, the bond. Yes. Sorry. Yes. yes. So where where that's a a big chunk of money that goes just to bark. But yes, is your is there is that part of a larger budget where it's kind of shared or are you completely siloed? We do in ARA. We do does like have like a bigger budget, but we do have like our amount we okay. receive. Um, so 
Spark does have some, you know, money earning sides of it, but essentially, you know, yeah. uh, we, we rely heavily on the budget we get right. from uh, city council that they approve every year. Right. Because um, like, pet registration, adoptions. Right. I mean, they're, they're only going to go so far. Yeah. yeah. I owe my pet registration. I need to remember to pay that this month. Um, <laughs> Reminder for everybody, <laughs> everybody. Register your pet if you live in the city yes. of Houston. Um, so... One thing, and I don't remember if it was you who told me this, but someone mentioned something to me that has stuck with me for like months and months and months that, and and I think that it was, it was enlightening to me just how heavily controlled every dollar and cent is in a city budget. And that's not yes. just for Bark, that's yes. for any city uh, entity that when the shelter was being built, there was a specific earmarked part of the budget that was required to be artwork. And that, you know, and to me, I love art and yes. I think a shelter should be beautiful and should be welcoming. But it's something we don't often think about, especially coming from the nonprofit world where we have discretionary funds and that's a big portion of our budget. Mm -hmm. But we also have earmarked. We have designated funds. And so. We're, we're all not all in control of the money that comes into us. And if the budget says you have to spend whatever this proportion of our budget is on artwork in the shelter, you're, you're kind of bound to that. Yeah. I mean, that's what it, all of our funds are essentially tied. So whatever fund it comes from internally, that is what that money is earmarked for. Right. Like in my section, we know we have this much in the printing budget. And so it is literally only for print materials. Yeah. Uh, so we have quite a few, which mm -hmm. is great, but you know, we're not dipping into other, if we run low, right. we're, we're not going to other pots and there's some things you may be able to work with and sometimes they require council approval right. to move money around and right. you know, that takes time and we know that well in addressing questions yeah. from council. Cause you know, rightfully so they have a lot in mind when it comes to, Hey, no, we approved this. What's your kind yeah. of planning on this regard? And they're going to want to know all the steps that led to this decision. And why is right. it different from what you presented in the budget period? So it's, yeah, it's very like plainly laid out what mm -hmm. we can earmark the certain uh, monies for. So you just brought up another question, which is who who does everybody answer to? I guess there are levels, right? So, you know, your staff answers to your director, your director answers to, I think, someone in ARA, right? Yeah, so, so there there's, is, there's we, like a hierarchy that, yes, for all of that. We have a shelter director and there's three uh, deputies that fall under. At Bark, we have an enforcement team. And then over here with me is the outreach and customer service okay. and registration. And then we have a third section that includes our shelter and medical teams who do like the actual in-house handling of the animals, okay. operate our wellness center. And then we embark, we're part of ARA, which mm -hmm. ARA has a director. And then that director, you know, reports directly up to uh, the mayor's office. to the and Directly to the mayor's office. And yes. then when you want to make changes or do anything, it has to... It, I guess what has to be approved by city council and what doesn't? I mean, do you have? It depends. It depends. Yeah, it depends on uh, a lot of monetary stuff we'll have to go through. For example, if we want to uh, get a contract that's above a certain dollar amount, right. council has to approve or we have to go out to bid. Uh, we did that earlier this year when we had the mandatory microchipping. Right. We, we started that process last year. 
Um, we had the change last year for mandatory microchipping. We were able to get some funds to go. Uh, we thankfully got uh, our foundation mm -hmm. uh, gave us some monies to use for a marketing campaign because we knew this yeah. is the first of its kind. We had that year long education period. So we were able to procure a marketing firm. But we did have to go to bid. We have several groups we had to choose from. The one we chose was great. Um, they have experience working in animal related, uh, you know, that with helps groups. so yeah. much. You yes. don't realize until you've worked oh, with someone who does it. 100 yeah. percent. So they were already accustomed to language that we quickly approved. They yeah. understood kind of the semantics of things and visually, too. They understood what would work. The audience we were trying to target. They're like, we're going to go in like an animated direction. It's something that's like the, and it worked out great. Awesome. But there's all. It took a while. We had that yeah. money last summer and then we rolled out like at the end of the year yeah. into the new year. And we had to ask like, hey, is it OK if we push back the enforcement to February 1st? And, you know, it was an informal kind of like, yes, that's fine, uh, because technically the ordinance had passed. It was already. Approved. Right. But the enforcement, we were going to start at the f beginning of the year. And then we're like, well, the vote happened January 15th. Maybe we do it then. And we're like, oh, based on when the rollout, let's start February 1st worked out perfectly give everyone a chance yeah yeah so things take time they do i <laughs> mean we in yeah. full transparency yeah. houston pet set is a vendor you know we had to go through that process mm -hmm. where you know city council had to approve bark paying houston pet set to do uh free spay and neuter for the city of houston and it is a very intricate process even for federal bids mm -hmm. you know that's yeah <laughs> we're like just here's all of our information please just hand us the money and it is not that easy no, um no. It, it goes through a lot more steps so you mentioned the foundation so yes ta i know i the bark foundation is a separate entity or yes. is it it's okay because you yes. as a city they operate separately from us you can't fundraise as a city entity. yeah that's okay. correct so that's what they are designed to do they were created under a uh, former mayor parker okay uh 501c3 yes they're essentially the fundraising branch um so they will host events throughout the year they have their own board uh, we'll go and speak at their events but they operate independently of okay. us they have their own website they have their own like fundraising arm um so the great thing about them is when they, you know, go out, raise their funds, it all goes directly back to Bark. So that's that's awesome. And you, because that is a separate arm, the money when they when they give it to y'all, you have the decision making power over how that gets used or is it incorporated? We ha it has to be for like a program okay. or it has to be something tangible. Okay. So they're not just giving us you know, cash. It's, yeah. it is, we have something in mind. Okay. But that being said, uh, they listen to us and they come up with ideas and they, especially with their events mm. and their fundraising, they'll invite us out to them, but their team is, you know, really proactive. Yeah. They're at events and out there in the community all the time. And so yeah. it's awesome when we have the ability to take like our adoptions trailer to those events. So right. we get their name recognition as well, but they're great advocates for right. us. And it's awesome to see them be able to do that. Because um, like you said, we can't do that fundraising aspect. Right. You know, people independently will come and ask to donate to us. And we're like, great, that's awesome. But yeah, we, <laughs> we also have the foundation where we can funnel that through yeah, as well. That's great. So I guess that we'll, we'll get into the the not dicier conversation. But, you know, you, you mentioned you have this amazing group of advocates that is advocating on behalf of and for the, the city shelter. What are they seeing? What are they getting that your detractors aren't? 
You understand? Like, so basically there are animal lovers and animal advocates who are out there doing the hard work to advocate for bark. What are they seeing that the people out there who are crying foul aren't seeing? What are what are we yeah. missing? I think a lot of them have actually met our staff, been to the shelter, yeah. seen the team members who care. A lot of them have been volunteers in the past okay. or they're engaged enough to know the work we do and like our outreach team yeah. who works directly with rescues, who works directly with our foster network. Right. Uh, the adoptions th that happen are coordinated through our adoption coordinators and our customer service team, yeah. our, our medical staff who do the consultations, the shelter team who walk them through literally the kennels and help them interact with the animals. Yeah. They need all those people. They actually see how much the staff cares. And then a lot of them are also know, like we are a municipal shelter, mm -hmm. you know, we're open intake. Right. Uh, we have managed intake, so we schedule, but sick or injured animals, we cannot turn them away mm -hmm. and nor do we want to. We tell the public, you know, we will always accept sick, injured, fading animals, welcome in our shelter. Yeah. Uh, but we can't, you know, turn away based on breed, mm -hmm. uh, age, weight, that sort of thing. Um, we also have the enforcement side of things. Right. Uh, that's what Bark was built around. Right. Was this idea of just public safety. Yeah. That is like our like our main like you know originator of how we were created. Uh, we previously used to report to the health departments, and then we made our way to ARA. But when that was started, you know, the facility itself was built around that mm -hmm. kind of mentality. The live release initiative came later. Right. But a lot of people who are actually engaged and work with us have been there and you know meet the staff and know like we're dedicated you know to making sure we we now have that live release initiative on top right. of the public safety side of things as well right uh, it's it's always struck me just being in this industry that we sometimes forget where the idea of animal welfare came from it didn't it it didn't start as sheltering mm -hmm. it started as an impound yes. i mean that's why we yes. called them city pounds yeah. or the, just the pounds because if your pet was out roaming the streets you were in violation your pet got impounded but when those were created however long ago that was we didn't have the stray animal problem mm -hmm. that we have today so the i feel like the function of municipal uh shelters and organizations has had to kind of evolve uh, do, but do you find and I know you haven't been with Bark that long, but do you find that, you know, enforcement is is suffering at the expense of the sheltering or vice versa? I mean, it, is it is it feasible for an organization to have to do both all the time? Yeah, we we tell people we have a dual mission, yeah. you know, and sometimes those dual missions, this public safety side and this live release focus, they can't conflict. Yeah, I mean, we take away managed intake and just go back to open intake that will have a direct correlation right. with our live release rate right especially now post 2020 mm -hmm. it's a it's a new yeah. day yeah. when it comes to animal welfare and that's not just us here in Houston no not at all uh, especially states like Texas but it's happening up north now yeah. which is really like raising the alarm bells for yeah. everybody like this is a very serious thing literally yesterday you know uh Part of my duties, I put together a media report for the executive team, kind of locally, very much focused on what's in the news happening. But yeah. we always kind of keep track of trends across all of our different divisions. But especially when I look at the animal welfare news and Oregon and the Seattle area, both were talking about how inflation 
was causing an increase in owner turn-ins and then all the pandemic buys and the after effects economically that the pandemic has had has also resulted in an increase for both of those different areas up north. Yeah. Those are traditionally areas that have not had this sort of problem. It's where we've been sending animals. Exactly. Yeah. We hear from our partners like, you know, we have a contract with Rescue Pets Movement. Mm -hmm. A lot of their animals go to Colorado. We hear those areas, you know, they have smaller shelters too. Yeah. So their kennel space is limited. And so if they just barely have a dip in adoptions, it has a huge trickle effect. Yeah. Uh, because if they are facing it, that's really the sign to everybody, like people are struggling. So that's why we try to focus on, you know, other side of things with the responsible pet ownership, mm -hmm. the source of the issue. But yeah, it's a long kind of winding way to say like enforcement, we have such a duty to the public because we prioritize those uh, we have like a tier of calls, mm -hmm. like those uh, priority one uh, calls. We prioritize bite cases, right? Uh, the ones where, you know, there's an imminent threat to human life or okay. human safety. Mm -hmm. And when our team prioritizes that, if we don't, you know, respond to those priority one, priority two calls, mm -hmm. so we can ensure that, you know, hey guys, the animals aren't getting out because we have seen a dip in our foster, especially huge, huge impacts. You could see in our data mm -hmm. uh, over the years, the drop uh, after 2020. Yeah. And we're slowly trying to work on things, but it's still trailing. Yeah. Our rescue numbers continue to drop. Uh, we just closed out the fiscal year, and I think there was almost a thousand fewer animals taken out by rescue than the previous fiscal year. Yeah. That has an impact. And if there are more animals. The calls are increasing as well. Right. It was 8,000 more calls for service last fiscal year than the year before uh, because they did drop. I think people were at home. Yeah. People were not out and seeing the animals and not calling as much. And then our enforcement initially, too, while we figured out how to safely send them out into the community to right. protect them. Right. Uh, we had a drop in the response. Uh, now we're at a stage where the calls are increasing. So the enforcement is increasing right. and the numbers from their side of things that proportionally way more are coming in from the field than they are through like managed intake and through owner turn in. Right. If there's nowhere for those animals to go right. for our rescue partners and rescue is how most of our animals leave the shelter. Yeah. Uh, it's adoptions and foster are the second two. Uh, but if, there is even a slight dip mm -hmm. it has impacts on things like our live release rate right because we have to have that kennel space available for the enforcement right. team they have to bring them in yep. and put them somewhere yep exactly yeah. and we just saw we had a few more team members added not this past fiscal year but the year before and that already had an impact i mean it's a drop in the bucket when you have all we get to a lot of the calls but there's a lot that are unanswered like mm -hmm. we said those priority four or five calls where somebody right. just I, I saw a stray animal right you know was it chasing anybody Nuisance no type i was driving by yes yeah, okay um that if we can get to them it's great right. but like i said those ones where somebody's an imminent threat and we know if somebody who lives in a neighborhood where they don't see strays mm -hmm. to them that's a foreign concept but we know there are specific areas yep. where people can't get to their cars we've had our mobile unit uh basically surrounded by aggressive stray dogs. And thankfully yep. the enforcement team was able because owners who were trying to pick up their pets after having just been fixed, uh, were getting accosted and charged by 
aggressive stray animals. So we know it exists. Mm -hmm. um, but like you said, if I guess if there's not a kennel for them to go into, what's interesting to me as, as you're talking through this and you're talking about how the rescues are kind of the, the lifeblood of the yes. live release initiative at bark. Um, and they can't pull because they're full. They are full because they are picking animals up off the street and mm -hmm. they are now taking owner surrenders, which I think is a more recent development. Mm -hmm. in, in my experience, owner surrenders went to shelters and then the rescues pulled from the shelters. Um, but it seems like they are, it's almost like they are doing their own version of enforcement as well. Um, so they're full and y'all are full and all the, all of the shelters are full in addition to the rescues. In an ideal world, how how many enforcement? I mean, and let's let's imagine that you have unlimited space. Yeah. With the amount of animals and the calls that you are getting, are you adequately staffed to respond to those? And we had recently looked internally at possibly doing that kind of change, and like we looked at the number of fifty because we have around a little over thirty. Okay. In our enforcement team, but that includes supervisors and managers. Okay, who aren't that's also not like necessarily, field. Yeah, okay. it's about twenty something who are actually going out. Okay, and then that's across you know multiple shifts. Right. So it's not like they're all at once. Right. Going not twenty out. people yeah. out in force. Okay. So if we could get closer, yeah, doubling it even, that would maybe make a a, a drop in okay. the bucket. But with that, it would have to include an increase in shelter and medical staff. True. Who are in the uh, kennels and in the shelter taking care of them day right. to day our outreach team would have to grow as well right uh the ones who are marketing and trying to promote it um thankfully we have three full-time rescue coordinators but even now just based on current staffing it needs to be more we only have yeah. one foster coordinator and currently that position is open so the rest of the team is just kind of backfilling it yeah um our adoptions team was two one got recently moved into a supervisor role so it leaves our current one who the team shared marketing responsibility now they are our social media coordinator webmaster uh they are a graphics person they are our event coordinator oh my goodness on top of being an adoptions coordinator right so yeah it has a trickle effect because we we would ideally yeah be able to double that amount and have actual you know, impacts because until we do, we're not going to move the needle. Right. Those calls are continuing to grow. Right. And the team number is staying static. Yeah. So that that has an impact in those communities. And we know because we hear from them. Mm -hmm. we, we and this is something on our side and like the marketing team, we were like, we want to get a team to go and do like a, a day long coverage and just tell those stories because I don't think they get told enough. Right. I, the side of things on the street, it, the heavy focus from the public is on the shelter side. Right. A lot of our attention, we talked about it, kind yep. of focuses on, you know, getting the animals out. Right. And we're like, no, we, we really need to show our, our enforcement team yeah. and see the day to day. Those people who are like in tears saying, thank you. I couldn't get my mail. Yeah. I couldn't go to work the other day. Yeah. Because these animals were so aggressive. People who tell us my dog was killed. It's it, it's a sad it's reality. It's yeah. hard for people. People don't want to think about it. People don't want to visualize it. But, you know, the things that happen on the shelter, that's something that's tangible for them to think about and be like point right. a finger at. And they can count. Yes. Yeah. We're transparent with our data. We share it. We have an urgent pets page mm -hmm. to try to be transparent and say, hey, it's, it's a coordinated way. Because like I said, we have one person running social media. 
Right. That's something I hear a lot is why aren't you marketing XYZ in this manner? A lot of animals, not all. Um, when it comes to certain times when we're at capacity, yeah, we have to unfortunately put length of stay animals, animals that have no behavior issues, no right. medical issues on our urgent pets list. But we frequently have animals that have behavior issues. Like I said, we're going out prioritizing those priority one calls. Right. A lot of animals that are unsocialized, have never been in on a leash, right. interacted this much with a human. They're stressed. They're in a totally strange environment. They've never been in a captivity, right. let alone a loud shelter with all these noises and smells and different people interacting with them. Right. It's stressful. Yeah. They don't present their best selves. Some of them outside the shelter. Yeah, we hear that often. It's like, but they were totally different and great. Yes, but unfortunately, that's not the scenario they're in here. Right. And it's no fault of their own. It's no fault of our staff either. Right. They're dealing with what they have to, given, you know, what the building is, what the structure is. Um, so we, you know, that side of things is something that's tangible for people. They see those numbers. We promote them on this page because it's a, it's a way to funnel all of that attention. It's a way to be proactive. It updates each list that's on there. There's mm -hmm. a code yellow, orange, red. Those are the ones of most immediate need. And there's our length of stay. Uh, we updated it recently. It's all color coded. Our internal IT department has it set up. So those pages upload some as frequently as uh, every 15 minutes. Wow. Okay. So it's very transparent. Um, but we can't always go and promote all those animals on social media. Right. Uh, a lot of the people who are in that audience are not experienced. They're not coming to us with, you know, years as a foster. I've dealt with all right. types of animals. I know how different animal behavior might. I know my circumstances right. and my capabilities. A lot of people who are like panicking yeah. and coming at it first time. You're like, this animal's not for you. Yeah. And we've seen people try and come back almost immediately. Yeah. And unfortunately, that does nothing to help that animal who's was stressed before. And now they've been through, again. yeah, the whole loop. Yeah. And it, it's tough because we need those fosters. We need new people. Yeah, we, we want you to come and get involved. Uh, but again, the first time foster with a you know potential bite risk yeah. is a recipe for disaster. That I get. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you. Yeah. And unfortunately, when you are an enforcement agency, like you said, some of those animals coming in, um, are questionable as adoption candidates to begin with. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Houston Pet Set, we are very vocal that we we don't necessarily believe there is a home for every animal if they are, especially if they are dangerous. So, mm -hmm. you know, it puts it puts fosters, adopters, and it puts the organizations in kind of an awkward position where would we love a live outcome for every animal? Of course. Yes. Is yes. it feasible? Is it realistic? Not really, especially right now with you know, the animals that are coming in to rescues, too. I mean, mm -hmm. we're seeing kennels or, or fosters be occupied for months, sometimes years yeah. with one animal. Mm -hmm. And that's leaving potentially good animals on the streets to become less adoptable with every passing day. Yeah. So it's I, I, I see that struggle with, you know, people want to do right by the animals so badly. And that includes bark staff, bark volunteers. But at the same time, what are we what are we giving you to work with yeah at this point and there's also when it comes to like length of stay like sure you want to keep an animal for days and days and weeks and weeks and months and months and sometimes some shelters keep them for for years 100 200 yeah. days that honestly the animals become less adoptable mm -hmm. it it becomes almost a stigma for one thing 
Yeah. Why is this one in here so long? Yeah. And unfortunately, it could be a perfectly sweet, ready to go for home. But in the shelter environment, it, it really should be a short time period because there's risk of disease spread. There's right. when they are stressed, they're more susceptible to get those upper respiratory mm -hmm. infections and that can spread. And our, I will say our medical team does a very good job of quarantining animals when necessary and making sure they're on the lookout so the disease spreads doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. We had a distemper outbreak, really bad one. I literally first started, we were still kind of on lockdown. Yeah. I was like, okay, so I have to relearn. And they were like, this is our wall of all the kennels that are this color oh and this gosh, color and this, yeah. this means this and this, this one, green is good. Nightmare. Yes. And the nightmare. team developed some very, it was strict, but it was necessary right. to prevent it from spreading because it's awful yeah. when a dog gets to stepper. Yep. Seen it firsthand. It is yeah. a, not a good way to go. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of issues, but really like there are opportunities for the public to help in I, I know, like, get in front of the cameras every chance I can yeah. to talk about it. it. It's tough, though, because we're all saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. So we're all competing for the same spaces and yep. we're all promoting in the same manners. And but there's so many residents in Houston and we hear that often. It's like there's just so many households. It's awesome that there's now billboards going up. Uh, we're focusing our efforts to we were able to get a grant last year mm -hmm. to help us market our Healthy Pets, Healthy Streets program. Right free spay neuter services to people who are impacted by the digital divide. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be doing like outreach into specific communities. Uh, we're partnering with the complete communities. We're already a part of that uh, right. group, especially with healthy pets, all these streets already, uh, but targeting specific neighborhoods. Uh, so digital divide, meaning not everybody has access to a computer exactly. or smartphone. Okay. Uh, that was something that was really brought up obviously during COVID response, uh, which community, especially like people who are older, who don't have smartphones, who don't have continued access to the internet, or even, you know, economically who cannot, you know, afford certain mm -hmm. types of uh, systems. So they're connected all the way that way. Uh, but a big part of it was also targeting uh, non-English speaking residents. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to be working with uh, a group of non-English media to do both like some organic earned media and then also like uh, working with us to convert some materials we've made already with That's a grant great. for ad buys to try to reach even new audiences. So we're trying to think of creative ways now yeah. to target like the source and, you know, we have these responsible pet ownership kind of brochures talking about, you know, healthy pets, healthy streets, but also our low cost wellness center. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're focusing on the new changes when it comes to microchipping. Right. You know, it's part of the pet registration process that already existed. Now you also are required to get your pet microchipped. So again, everybody in the city of Houston, right. get your pet registered. And as part of that, you have to have a microchip. And we keep hosting free microchip events. So there is absolutely yes. no excuse. It's just <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we, we've done a few. Thankfully, some of our council members are sponsored. But yes. a lot of other groups like yours have been doing it as well. Yeah. And we've already seen those uh, numbers of... Uh, the return rate, return to owner increased by like 16%. Is the it first really quarter. already impacting? Yes. That's phenomenal. I was going to ask about that. That's those are, yeah. we so rarely get to see immediate impacts like that. Mm -hmm. Are you finding that it, these, these RTOs are in the field? Are we already diverting them from even having to come into the shelter? Some of them, Some of them. Um, but a lot of them are like us uh, getting these animals into the shelter and then doing the scanning there and okay. finding out like its own Wait and then second. somebody's coming and getting it. That's awesome. But like, yeah, our free or even we offer certain days where uh, usually our microchips part of a package and we've been offering just a microchip mm -hmm. only. And those like get 
taken immediately. So yeah. it's awesome to see the public responding to it. It's great that our media partners were jumping in and very heavily focusing on that. Yeah. It's what we need. It's not something that we can handle alone or tackle alone. I know we partner mm -hmm. uh, other groups who work with us closely, like we all saying the same things. And it's, it's exciting. We're partnered closely with uh, Harris County as well making sure like our messages are both the same as well, consistent. Uh, we met with their foster team as we're like working to develop some new uh, kind of uh, handbooks and mm -hmm. some new platforms to help our existing fosters. And hopefully as we try to market it more and build up our foster base, yeah. we have this platform where they can more easily get resources, network with each other. Uh, there's there's hope, but at the same time, I, I foresee you know the live release rate. Mm -hmm. It's I, I think as we continue to have those calls, that response mm -hmm. to the public, I think that people need to be prepared to see it continue to stay either at where it, it's at or, or go or lower possibly. Go lower. Yeah. So you know we talk. I said at the beginning fully aware that bark isn't everybody's favorite. Mm -hmm. We know that it would be naive to suggest otherwise. But what what can the the we'll, we'll just call them the detractors, but people who are like you said, who aren't meeting your staff or whatever, what can they do? I know we say volunteer, adopt, foster, but, you know, honestly, that isn't in the cards for everybody. And yeah. we understand that. But what are what are ways that people rather than sitting online and being angry, how can they affect change for Bark? You say be an advocate for responsible pet ownership is a huge thing. With you and your network, you can um, make sure to spread the, that like constant message, stay neuter your pets, yeah. uh, have your pet microchipped, registered. And a lot of people who do reach out, they're, they're not even locally based. And it does okay. not help us when you go and you flood a social media post with comments about how upset you are. I understand, those, those emotions are valid. Mm -hmm. And our staff feel a lot of those motions as well. And so when they see those comments, yeah. it has a huge impact on morale. Oh yeah. And the staff care. Most of our staff foster. Most of our staff have, myself included, mm -hmm. adopted an animal from the shelter. And it is not helpful to anybody. And it turns away potentially new partners mm. who'll come to our page. Somebody who might be interested. Oh, I heard that I can get an animal from the shelter. Yeah. Spread the news of what we actually are and what we offer in terms of adoption, fostering. You can't do it yourself. Share the word. Like there are, like we talk about foster adoption. Mm -hmm. Like you can become an advocate yourself. Yeah. If you can't, there's if you can't adopt, foster. If you can't foster, volunteer, donate. That is, that is <laughs> yeah. a there very is helpful. There is the Houston yeah. Bar Foundation, right? Yes. I would say find a way within your community mm -hmm. to get involved going online and like I said, disparaging, potentially turning away new partners doesn't help. Yeah. And we've seen, it is a proven thing. Like we've talked about it in conferences and, and with other groups, they've done actual studies, like positive coverage mm -hmm. and positive types of content. It draws in more audiences, right. just a constant focus on the negative. Either it gets mocked yeah. or it uh, doesn't, it gets a lot of, a certain type who looks for that content mm. and may travel. Cause I'll see a lot. You'll go to their page and you see they're sharing from all across the country. Yeah. Those just like similar pages that just attack, 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 mm -hmm. or say like, look what they're doing with no actual action. Right. And it's just lost in a void. Yeah. And I was like, that's, I would really reevaluate is what I'm saying 
is what I'm sharing helping mm -hmm. or is it possibly hurting? Yeah. Am I part of the problem? And I don't want to, I, I don't want to say any, everybody's doing this intentionally. They're not. Yeah. They really do care. I know they do. Mm -hmm. uh, which is frustrating when I hear somebody even like including my name in their stuff. And yeah. I'm just like, we're working towards the same goal. Yeah. And I wish there was an understanding because we try to put it out there. there. There's information about what we actually are as a facility, mm -hmm. as a municipal shelter. What are our requirements? What are we working with? A lot of the stuff we we're talking about with the bureaucracy, right. what we're the confines of what we're within in terms of money making. You know, it's been said often Bark is the lowest per capita funded mm -hmm. shelter in the state of Texas. Big city. Yep. Um, you know, we're the fourth largest city in the country, too. Yeah in a state that has huge pockets where there's massive stray problems right. from us, the other major cities down south on the border. You know, this issue is not going away overnight. Right. Either. Right. And closing our doors to intake to alleviate and keep animals is is it's not a solution. It's counterproductive at a certain point. And a lot of what we're doing, it, like we focus on like Band-Aid type mm -hmm. solutions. Like what Bark didn't cause this we were tasked with approaching it first from a public safety standpoint right and then adding an addition the live release initiative it's growing we need more staff we need help from volunteers some of it we can only do so far right and we have great volunteers that they get burned out too of course we always need more and that's across the board that's yeah. not just everybody yeah. everybody um i think just uh educating yourself about like not just here mm -hmm. when we talked about earlier it's across the country yeah. and that has impacts we knew we were never going to transport our way out of this but if mm -hmm. we're seeing a slowdown with some of our partners who are biggest you know live we, release we had our main transport partner stop transport completely because they ran out of staff yeah in minnesota so like you said we're seeing the impacts it's yes. not just here um we have very soon an election coming up. Yes. Um, I'm obviously you cannot speak on politics. I am not going to ask you to make any okay. any judgments or anything like that. But I mean, for and and you know, Mayor Turner has served his time, and he he will be handing off the torch to a new mayor. What are we hoping for, Bark, and for the city of Houston with a new administration? I mean, more funding obviously would be great, but what else could a mayor do to kind of help this crisis? You know, the mayor Turner, thankfully he did give us a million dollars in American rescue plan act funding for spay neuter mm -hmm. that kind of focused on an additional 500,000 year before for working with partners like yourself right. to ensure that we are targeting the source of the issue as the opportunity with anything that gets Focus on the city with what our residents needs, what's going on, the change, tension. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, hopefully we get, you know, heard in like a lot of the change, an awareness of what the needs are yeah. at the shelter. Uh, spotlight, whoever comes in after, during the election, after the election, hopefully this is an opportunity for all of us at the city, but especially like, mm, oh, I'm selfish, I'm here. <laughs> <I wanna laughs> course, say, yeah. We hope we are heard when we're talking about things here today. Um, cause you, you hear it, like we could go on for however long mm -hmm. more to talk about even other, there's a nationwide vet shortage. Right. Like there's, there's other things right. going on that impact what's happening here in Houston. And it's a cross the nation type 
issue. So hopefully with an election provides this opportunity to get attention and into new households, new people who have no idea. So we hear that often too. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. Like, That's why we jump at every chance, no matter what. Like I want to have the opportunity to spread the word. Yeah. And we, you know, I know we've made a couple of little teaser announcements, but Houston Petset is hosting a mayoral candidate forum on September 18th, and we will be live streaming it on all of our social, most of our social media platforms. I don't even know what works anymore. But um, that's that's an opportunity for animal lovers, animal advocates, the people who are spending emotional energy paying attention to this mm-hmm. to at least for city of Houston residents, obviously, uh, to put their um, vote where their mouth is. And so we're excited about the opportunity to hear from the upcoming candidates how much they value this uh, platform issue, what we believe should be a platform issue, um, and and what they plan to do about it. So um, hopefully people will be tuning into that. We will have more information about that coming up. But... um, New leadership includes new ideas. Right, exactly. New staff, new new whatever. Change has the opportunity for good things. And everyone's like, oh, change. No, no, there's a great opportunity for us. Uh, Like, we welcome that. Mm -hmm. We welcome new ideas. We welcome, like, a refresh. Um, So hopefully with that, you know coming in like highlighting too what we've already done right and focusing that like maybe that just needs a renewal with a certain uh new audiences i think that's a really big thing i would hope to see from this okay well that's that for our mayoral candidates listening we know what bark needs and mostly it's money resources are always (laughs) great resources would be great yeah um but that then would hopefully trickle out to the community Mm -hmm. um the the moral of the story i think that we have gotten at, but that I have gotten at with other previous guests is that all of these services that our rescue partners that everybody is providing, they are all a band-aid until the community itself takes responsibility for the animals within mm-hmm. our care. Um, you know, we, the, the Tina and Tama have a, a little bit of a saying these days, which is, you know, we domesticated them. We owe them this much is to be responsible for their care. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, spay and neuter, obviously. Probably the number one yeah. thing that we can all do. Um, and it, it's just sparked a question. And I don't know if conversations have happened with enforcement around Bark, but a lot of people have been coming up to posting on our all of you know, our billboard campaign yeah. post all of these things saying mandatory spay neuter. Has that ever been a conversation within the city? I have my own conflicting feelings about it um, that I don't need to get into, but I don't. Uh, is that something that is discussed? Is that something that's realistic for the city? A realistic based on our current staffing level? I don't know. OK, because a lot of when it comes to our enforcement, it's based on us responding to those calls. Those right. calls come into three and one. We go out or council receives feedback. They go out and respond in terms of proactive enforcement. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that would look like. Yeah. It, including based on our existing staffing levels. Now we could hope like with microchipping, it's, it's honestly similar. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people jumped on that and, but we, you have to provide them those opportunities. Right. Mandatory spay neuter. We mentioned the, uh, nationwide. It's not just a Houston or Texas thing. It is a nationwide vet shortage. Right. We're all competing all these agencies for the same amount of surgery spots mm-hmm. across the board. You know, we at bark, we've had vacancies, for a while yeah. in our vet area. And when we in-house 
are struggling to keep up with the numbers. And thankfully we have contracts with external partners who mm -hmm. are able to do it, but our own animals we send out uh, right. that are uh, up for adoption. Don't that all get done in-house. should be something in-house, yeah. but it can't right now. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the thing. Like ideally, yeah, it sounds great. And we lay it out on paper. Sure, yeah. Yeah, we would want to get there, but in terms of like how feasible it is enforcement wise and actually getting like, you know, successfully done, that would have to be yeah. seen. Um, it's something that's always brought up just in like the kind of hypothetical, mm -hmm. like not a, like necessarily tangible right. yet, but it's been brought up, sure, and it's been yeah. discussed. We've we've looked at all options. Yeah. We truly have and yeah. just seen what we can do with existing resources and staff working within the confines of what we got now yeah yeah that yeah. makes sense i i had a conversation with someone and i'm trying to remember which municipality it was some, it was one of the more outer counties where their mandatory spay neuter looks like if you have if your animal has been picked up multiple times by enforcement in order to get your pet back i think after the third time uh you don't get them back unless you get them fixed if they're not already fixed that's all ours that if your animal is picked up, it's not going home unless it is altered. That I didn't know. Yes. That's fantastic. Yes. Okay. So that's that. I learned something today. So that sort of, that's like an, um, a sideways approach to mandatory yeah. spay neuter. It's, the only way it wouldn't happen is if it's too young. Okay. Or medically it's, it's not healthy enough right. to go under the surgery, but nope. Uh, we do not release it back. it back to the owner until it's been spayed or neutered. And that's yeah. done with in-house with y'all. So yes. it's not an extra charge to that owner or are they paying a fee or a fine? Um, sometimes they, well, they usually do because we may charge them the boarding costs. Right. The RTO any, fee. Yes. yes. Okay. Any, and that being said though, sometimes we hear stories like, I'm sorry, my, I have a Husky. Yeah. Well, we all know our masters. They leave. Of, yes. They just go. And it's not because they're unhappy. Yeah. They could be like the most spoiled, well cared for. Uh, and to, one of mine snuck out when we first moved into our new house. Mm -hmm. He's a rescue. And he, unfortunately, still to this day, we've had him for 13 years almost. Whoa. Yeah. He's uh, very skittish, very scared. Uh, he's a sweet baby around us, but strangers scare him. Fireworks. Oh, forget it. Yeah. Thunder, I think this was a thunderstorm that he got scared and he found a way. He's this lanky dog, but he got under the uh, side gate oh at gosh. our new house. And thankfully, uh, you know, somebody was out front like right away and just was like, oh, hey, rugby. <laughs> we'll put him right back <laughs> inside. Back in. But that happens. Yeah. So when we hear that and somebody says, I can't afford it. Yeah. I, I, these fees, we will work with the public. That's good. Our goal is to keep pets at home. Right. You don't want them in the shelter. No, That's exactly. Not the exactly. We want them to go back with their owner. Yeah. And yeah, we don't want the alternative either or like send them up with a rescue. Nope. Sorry. Mm -hmm. You got a luck. Right. Shipping them off to Colorado, blah, 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 blah. Right. Blah. No. Uh, we want to reunite them with their owners. Um, so yeah, we'll work with them. Okay. That's good to know. I, that was a yeah. total random tangent, but it, it yeah. popped into my brain. So with a new administration and, and new ideas, you know, we can hopefully tackle these issues, obviously working within the confines of what we already have, which mm -hmm. we know we have staffing issues, not just in the veterinary side, but across, across the board, the board yeah. um, you know, with a new era comes new increased wages, demands for wages. People want to be rightfully paid for the work that they are doing. And we know, if you ask anybody working in animal welfare, everybody's criminally underpaid for mm. the emotional burden of the work that we do. It is uh, tough work. work. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. And I think, you know, what I take from this is a reminder um, 
to recognize people's humanity. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I've been in this industry long enough to know that we're never going to agree with what everybody is doing all the time. Yeah. That's just the fact of the matter. It is such a high stakes industry because it is literally life and death. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is an, a nice reminder um, for myself and for everybody to show a little grace, have a little humanity and recognize the humanity in other people who we, you and I both know nobody gets into this work for the money, for the glory. It's all because we love animals. Yeah. Um, you know, whether or not we all agree with decisions that are being made is kind of besides the point because ultimately we're all working towards the same goal. Yeah. Which, you know, kumbaya moment. But really it is it's, you know, Houston yeah. Pets that we we believe in collaboration and working with each other because if we're battling the only people, the only people, the only creatures that suffer are the animals that we're trying oh, to Oh, 100 percent. It's impossible to tackle this without partnering yeah. like nobody can do this alone at all yeah because it, it's such a complex issue from all sides yeah it, there's no way one agency like we said we rely heavily our fosters our rescue partners who get out the animals they're the ones who are, are able to help us that live release rate before we started this initiative was the opposite of what it is today wow. maybe less than 20 percent yes wow and so I want people to have that context too. We've been able to make huge strides. And I think some of the changes we made over like getting to 95%, some of that was outliers because of the changes happening with people at home, taking in animals right. and, you know, slower intake. Right. And now we're at a point where, you know, it, it's totally different. It's kind of like and a regression towards the mean here at this yes, point. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So until the dust fully settles from that, it's going to be a minute and within the bandwidth of what we have uh, i think this is the foreseeable future as this continued trend yeah yeah well it's something to keep an eye on for sure and and for our partners you know we we can shout all we want but until people are actually in the trenches doing something about it you know that's yeah. let's let's try and focus on action rather than words at this point that's my request that's my personal request because i'm tired of people bullying other people yeah um get involved get involved exactly get involved and and you know i i don't live in a the type of house where i can really foster and -hmm. i know other people are are in that same situation but like you said there are other ways there are are ways to affect change uh in a positive way because we're we're all about we're all about good vibes exactly we want happy, positive kumbaya without so, without, you know, acknowledging we have to acknowledge that there is a crisis. Mm-hmm. Yes. But we're, we're working on it. Yes. Channel that energy into something positive. That's that's the key. Done. That's a perfect, perfect place to end it. Corey, thank you so much thank for, you, for being thank willing you. to to kind of elaborate on some things that I don't think we always get an opportunity to hear about. Um, It's educational for all of us, myself included. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, This has been Conversations for the Animals. I am Lisa Tynan, and we will see you next time.